Good evening, everybody. We are here with the 94th session of the Q&A. Mm. I guess before the year is out, we'll cross 100. But we just thank God. Numbers, primarily, mm. don't have much meaning. But thank God for all the questions. And thank God for the answers he gives us. And we continue to pray. We will be true to the word, to his will to his purpose. <clears throat> Even today we have lots of questions. We are trusting God will enable us to answer. It's pretty cold in Hyderabad. We have a very dreary weather. You know, it's been drizzling, raining, and uh, it never rains in this season. But but we just tell, thank God. In a way, the rain is also good. It keeps the dust away. Mm. <laughs> okay. So you can always see a flip side to everything. So this evening, before we look into the Q&A, we just thank God for the healing that most people in the church are well now. We hope by tomorrow everybody would be able to come to church. But let's come at ourselves this time. Father, this evening we come to you. <clears throat> we thank you for your healing. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for your provision in the midst of it all, Father. One constant is you, Father. Yes, yes. Faithful God. Faithful God, we just want to thank you, Lord. The questions that have come, we commit into thy hands. The answers, Father, I pray you will speak through us. You are the answer. You alone have the right answer. Help us to be true, Lord. Help us to be true. And if where we err, I pray the listeners will hear from you that that is not of me. For, Lord, in everything, Christ needs to be lifted up and to be glorified. Be with us, Lord. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay, we can start with question number 17. Question number 17. Two-part question, Pastor. Yeah. Yes. A Roman proverb says, when the pilot does not know what part he is heading for, no wind is the right wind. Mm. Honestly, I was a believer, I was a bewildered pilot. Because I had received excellent training, I didn't lack for methods or ideas, but I wasn't clear as to principles. I was on the ocean of life with a roadmap instead of a compass, and I wasn't sure how to handle the rudder of the ship. I believe I struggle with Bible principles, the Rima word, the living word. Sometimes I do not know which way I'm headed. Do you believe we need methods to serve God, but methods work because of the principles behind them, right? What are the Bible principles? That's a huge, huge question. That's from a senior justice in the court system. Okay, but uh, I was, I mean, like for this brother and all of us, before we got saved, we are quite sure <laughs> what we wanted, what to do. The problem is, after we get saved, we think we would be more sure, but actually in practical experience, we are not very sure. It's like Nehru saying, he said that before independence, I thought I had the solution to every problem India was facing. But after India became free, he said, I saw in every solution only problems. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, this is basically got to do with uh, 
one of the primary, I mean, I, it's just too big an answer, too big an answer to give, but one of the primary thing is that this happens when we actually get saved and we start moving. Uh, what has changed is that our life has changed from the temporal to the eternal. Hmm. That's the first major shift that has taken place. Before you and I got saved, we were living in the temporal. The temporal only mattered. We never gave a thought to the eternal. How does it play out in eternal? What is the eternal significance of it? What is the eternal meaning of this? We didn't think about any of these things. It was entirely temporal. So when you are thinking in the temporal, it's very easy to make decisions. Mm. It's much more relatively easy to make decisions. But when the eternal comes... That is where, the, if you go to Paul in Second Corinthians and chapter 4, chapter 4, it's a familiar verse for us, chapter 4, 16, 17, 18, if I'm right. Yeah, 16, 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why is that we do not lose heart? Because the outward man is perishing. Okay? You see, why is the outward man perishing? Because the outward man is factored by time. Mm. And when you are in the temporal, time matters. You want everything to happen fast. Mm. One of the things even Paul realizes, and one of the things we all realize is that things don't happen in the time frame, we think. <laughs> and in the process, you know what happens? Time is passing away. The outward man is passing away. So are his, you know, the the desires, the dreams, everything is slowly looking further and further away. Mm. That is the issue. The actual issue is here. But when you are born again, the temporal man is not what matters. It's the eternal part that matters. But it is not easy. I mean, hats off to Paul. But it is not very easy. You are caught every day by the temporal, the sight. You are overwhelmed by the sight and then in the middle of it you are asked to live by faith and faith is always looking at the eternal faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen it is in the eternal yet the inward man is being renewed day by day now the problem happens you are saved and the inward man is not being renewed only the outward man is perishing it is even more terrible and honestly when you meet people and you talk to people I know sometimes you do not even know what to tell them because their problem is genuine. The outward man is a mess. Outward reality is an absolute total mess. But I cannot do anything with somebody's inward reality. I can only do it with my own. I can't touch anybody's inward reality. I can stand from outside and say, this is the inward reality of your situation. But if that other person does not experience it, does not live in it, there is nothing you can do. Mm. Each one has to grow in that inward reality. Each one has to grow in it. And that's where primarily the problem comes. And if you come to verse 17 and 18, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Yes, we say, wow, Paul. But the fact is that that is Paul's experience, and that experience is true. It can become anybody's experience, but the problem is it has to become your experience. It has to become your experience. It will only become your experience. I mean, there is there is a, what you call a reality, which is in the promises. Uh, God tells Joshua, 
all this place where the sole of your foot treads, I give it to you. All that he says. And then they all stand on the river Jordan and they say, you know what? It's all ours. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. There's only one city, that is Jericho. They did not have to fight. After that, they had to fight every inch of the way. So the question is, even before they fought and won, what God said is true. It's yours. It is yours. But if you want to have it, experientially you want to possess it, you will have to fight it. So when he's talking about here, it is, it has to become experiential. And that is where the basic issue lies. It is working for us a far more exceeding, look at that, that word important, eternal weight of glory, not temporal. It is not working for us a temporal weight of glory. There are two glories here. One is temporal. And everybody is vying for the temporal glory. The temporal glory that is connected with this world. It's all temporal. The breakthrough. The whatever comes in immediately. It is temporal and there is glory in it. There is success in it. There is joy in it. Everything. But the Bible is he's not talking about that. He's saying it is working for us an eternal weight of glory. And that is the issue. He lived in that reality. He lived in that reality. And that was his reality. And that should become every believer's reality. If it doesn't become our realities, the Bible principles are there. The Bible principles are there. But that alone will not be sufficient because the new covenant life is a life where you are led by the Holy Spirit. It is the person. It is the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's, you look at verse 90 and the 18. Yeah, because while we do not look at the things that are, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, but the problem is you ask nine out of ten believers, what do you see in the unseen? Nothing. What do you see in the unseen? Nothing. Okay. I mean, you can, when I'm not talking about physically seeing into your unseen, that's of course that is there when God opens your eyes like Elisha's servant. But I'm saying the absolute assurance of eternity and what God has for you over there. Okay? Has for you over there. Okay? And that's like Usain Bolt has this confidence if he runs, he gets the gold before running. Okay, before running, he has that confidence. I the gold is mine. Mm. Okay, and where does it come from? It comes from all his practice and he, his speed and everything. And faith has to become ultimately sight. Faith has to become ultimately sight, meaning that becomes your reality. And until that becomes our reality, we will struggle. The roadmap won't work. God did not give us a roadmap. He gave us a person. He gave us a guide. The roadmap is there. You have two choices. Okay. Our problem is that, you know, whenever we struggle, we run to the guide and say, oh Lord, would you help us? And he says, yeah, I'm always here. And he helps us. And once we have walked five minutes, we say, okay, thank you. I know the way. And then, we are back in the bog again. That's basically what happened. The whole issue is how can we consistently be led by the Holy Spirit? And I will tell you another side of it. If you go back to the question. Okay. If it's the second part of it, 
go back to the question. <clears throat> there is another side of it, the second second part, if we can go how to handle uh, yes, that's work. Yeah, what are the Bible principles? Let me tell you a second part of it, which is important. Okay, which is important. One is hearing, one is living in the eternity and all. Second is your affections. Second is your affections. If you love anything or anybody or your own life more than Christ, you cannot walk in the light of eternity. The temporal will pull you down. In a way, Paul was smart. He didn't get married. We do not know what his story would have been if he had a family. If he had a family, what his experience would have been probably even more fantastic if he never changed. Without a family, he was like that. With a family, if he was able to love God the way he loved and the pressures of it all. So the other side of it is, is your affections. Because our unselect, like, let's tell about personally about my like it. If I don't have to think about my wife and my family, I have no issues in life. I have no, literally no issues in life. Because the commitment I made to the Lord that I stepped out stands. And it will have no effect on me. Whatever happens will have no effect on me. So always the issue at the back of your mind is your family. Is your family. The others outside of you. But that is where, again, the attachment comes. That when you are being led by God, He's leading into absolute uncertainties where the only thing that is certain is He. And then you are pulled on the other side by that. And that is why Jesus said very clearly, if any man loves you simply cannot be my... These are problems, these are issues only disciples face. Others don't face, followers yeah. don't face this disciple. These are issues which disciples face. These are issues disciples face. And then the call of the disciples and the condition of discipleship is completely different. Mm. And so you cannot follow as a disciple unless you cut that off. Cut that off. Okay, and that is where Paul will come in Corinthians 7 and say, you know, you want to please the Lord, don't get married. Because if you get married, you have to please the other person. Please the other person. So you have to look, now you are already married, you got saved after that and all that, then what happens? Still the principle lies. One, you're looking at into eternity. Second, I am willing to give up everything. Lose everything for Christ's sake. Like Abraham was asked. Yes. Final test of Abraham was that. Do you take, love Isaac more than me? Hmm. Take your son. Hmm. Your only son. Whom you love. Whom you love. <laughs> and offer him as a sacrifice. Okay. And after that, mm-hmm. it's a different life. I mean, you don't reach there in one day. But these things, these, these principles, if you want to look at principles, what are the Bible principles? One, keep your eyes fixed on eternity. Go to Colossians chapter 3 and read verses 1 to 3 again. Put in the NIV scripture. You can put in NIV. Colossians. Okay. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. That is the first reality. Have you been raised with Christ or not? If you are not raised with Christ, experientially you are not raised with Christ, then it is not possible. 
grace. Set your heart on things above where Christ is and seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Yeah, it's simple, practical, I mean, simple to explain. Just imagine, uh, let's say Roshan, just imagine Roshan is here. <coughs> he works for the railways and he is in his office. In his office he has only trouble. Work pressure, boss pressure, all kind of pressure. But his home is an oasis of peace. So how does he handle the pressure at the workplace? The back of his mind is that, you know, at the end of the day, I go home. Mm. At the end of the day, I go home. And when I go home, Tabitha is there, Josh is there, Rima is there, and there is no tension there at all. That is my reality in which I face my problem. Really seeing it? So we are right over here going through all the situation, but we are seated with Christ. And there is no trouble there. There is no struggle there. You are fighting for nothing there. Everything is taken care of. Absolutely. Meaning basically, why are you struggling in the office for your home? But my home is an oasis of joy and peace. So this struggle is worth it. In the same way, whatever I am going through, it does not matter. Why? My other side is absolutely secure. Absolutely. That's what I do. Keep your mind on things above. Where Christ is seated, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Okay. Otherwise, we will not overcome. That's what Revelation 12.11 says. That 11.12.1, all three parts are important. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, yes. By the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony is their eternal reality. Mm-hmm. It cannot be their temporal reality. Then they are lost. Then they are, they are defeated. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And the third part is equally important. They did not love their lives. So much as to shrink from death. They did not love their lives. Even unto death, they did not love. You put these three parts together, you know what? You you have victory. You have victory. Otherwise, it will, and it's a daily thing. Every day you have to fight this. Every day. Because when things go, everything is going along. You know? Everything is going along. Good, it is one thing. But that's not what is going to happen in the last days. In the last days, Jesus says, it's going to be perilous times. For whom? For whom? For believers, let's let's talk about Nigeria. Christians are being killed practically every week. Every week, the Biden administration has taken uh, Nigeria off that list. So, who do you have for Christians? Which country is where Christians are not persecuted? Which country in the world are Christians not persecuted? It's not going to decrease unless God does something spectacular. It's going only going to increase. And the whole question is that the kind of abomination and the torment Christians go through in many countries is unbelievable. And it's, it is not that they are terrorists. We can understand if some nations are hostile towards Muslims, it's because Muslims have a stigma attached to it that uh, uh, they are behind uh, much of terrorism. But that's not got to do with Christians. Christians are not terrorists. They're the most, but normal believing Christian are some of the most humble, harmless, like we saw in the morning in Philippians. They are harmless people and blameless people and they are persecuted everywhere just for their faith's sake. The question is, how will you survive? How will you survive? 
know how we live. You will only survive by keeping your eyes on eternity. If you're looking at the temporal, you will sink. Like Peter sank, you will sink. You will compromise. You will give up. You will say, no, this is too much. Too much. And that's what the Bible talks about when the trials and the testings come. So the, the, the doctrinal letters are primarily written to shore up the faith of believers who were going through this right from the beginning. Like, uh, uh people talk about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. The question is, does it really matter? matter. The church has been going through tribulation for 2000 years. Mm. You know? Yeah, I mean, those are all questions which make some difference to us sitting over here. The church in China, the church in Afghanistan, the church in Saudi. I, do you think they're worried about mid-trib or pre-trib? Every day is tribulation. You, you're found, your head is gone. Your head is gone. Okay? So these questions are academic questions because we are not living in the reality of eternity. Okay? But when you live in the reality of eternity, you will realize, you know what? That's, that's, that's why, I mean, these are simple things we used to teach right in the beginning. We said you have to look at everything in terms of eternity, even relationships. I have an earthly father, but that is temporal. I have an eternal father, that is eternal. Mm. I have a wife, it is temporal until death to part. It is not forever and ever. No pastor will give a covenant <laughs> making forever and ever. So you have an eternal spouse. You have a temporal family. You have an eternal family. So ultimately, you have to live fixated on eternity. It's only when you look at eternity, the temporal starts taking meaning. But if your temporal is your meaning, you will lose light of eternity. And the whole system comes over you. You will buckle and give up. So everywhere you have to put the eternal. I have a father in heaven. That's what the Bible talks about. And we saw that today in John 1, 12. Not born by the flesh of man, but by the will of God. God is the father of my spirit. He is my real father. That's what the sons of Korah did. They had to choose. And their choice was not easy. They had to choose between the earthly father and their heavenly father. Mm. And the terrible choice was their earthly father was going to die before their eyes go down to hell. And they chose their heavenly father and crossed over to the other side. So that is the only way. The principles are all over there. We live by those principles. But I am telling you, when the rubber meets the road, those none of these things matter. Those principles also won't work. Only with the work will 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 you listen to the voice of my spirit? He will lead you. He will lead you. You know, nothing works because you see you can talk about you can talk about a very let us say integrity. Integrity is a very good principle, but integrity will work only in the office only when all of the others also believe in it. Like Derek Prince once said that law and order works in a democracy only when 51% of the population believes in it. Yes. The minute only 49 believes and 51 doesn't mean it, law and order doesn't work. That's the tyranny of democracy. In the same way, integrity is a very good principle to live by. You're working in an office, there are 10 employees, 9 of them don't believe in integrity, you do. What happens? What happened to Joseph happens to you. So what is the only thing Joseph has? Only one thing, the Lord is with him. Mm. You are thrown into prison, the Lord is with you. So that is your reality. Your reality is not your integrity and the biblical principle. Mm. Your Your reality is, the Lord is with me. And I will not. I am keeping this because, because the Lord the is Lord with me. Yes. 
Because of the Lord, I am keeping. Otherwise, integrity in itself becomes a principle by which you, you live integrity above the Lord. And you will realize that, you know what, integrity in itself does not have the power to sustain you. It is the Lord who has the power to sustain you. Amen. So there are lots of righteous uh, non-believers who finally buckled in and compromised and went in with the system. Why? Because they did not have the Lord with them. The Lord with them. So he was looking at the eternal side of it because he has been given a promise and a dream and he knows that is a picture of something that would happen in eternity and he held on to his dream and refused and the Lord was with him. And that's the key. That's the whole thing we have to look at in terms of the Lord. And even when we talk about the five no's, Moses said he did all these things, no, 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 to all things he said no. But what was the reason? Because of the he saw because, the one who was in. Because he, he saw, saw the, the one, one who was invisible. was invisible. That's the key, the invisible. Invisible is the eternal. He saw something in eternity and he said, you know what? Because of that, I'm willing to give up. We see that in eternity. Mm. Okay, eternity. And these are things which come only from a person. I, I know this is the kind of stuff God has told me. Because you, when you are, when you are a father, you're married, you're a father, and you have your children, and when you go through the kind of crisis that goes to the world, as a believer you go through, your concern is always about your children, your family. And one of the things where God very clearly told me is that you can never love your children as much as I love your children. This is an eye opener. You can never love your children the way I love your children. So you don't have to worry about them. You don't have to worry about them. You don't have to worry about it. If I call you to do something and you're worried about what will happen to my children if God, if I obey God, he says, you know what, I love your children more than you do. I love your children more than I do. It's just like Abraham tying Isaac on the altar. After that, he can never lose Isaac. Because Isaac is not his to lose. Exactly. Like I said in the morning, therefore Isaac cannot be destroyed by famine. Cannot be destroyed by famine because he was gone, given, put on the altar, and the altar has sanctified him. He does not possess Isaac. He, he Abraham does not possess, possess Isaac. Isaac. Mm-hmm. Yet Isaac is. He goes back with exactly. Isaac, but now he can never be lost because Isaac is God's. Okay, and that's what basically God is talking about. Whatever you are worried about in life, hand it over into God's hands. Mm-hmm. Now it's no longer yours. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you tomorrow. Tomorrow, Sunday, after service, everybody, when they go back, the only money they won't worry about is what they put in the My offering. offering. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's no longer yours. It's gone. <laughs> you are not worried about that money. It's gone. It is in God's hands. Wherever you put your investment and everything, you worry about all that money. That money, you don't worry about it at all. It is in gone to God. In the same way God says, everything you hand it over to me. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay, don't worry about it. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Pastor, because we are talking about methods mm-hmm. and in the ministry, mm-hmm. uh, people ask what are the methods. I think we should tackle question number 15. I think it's a logical corollary to 17. 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, anybody in ministry is also in a battle because the devil does not want to see the work of the Lord's prosper. Mm-hmm. One of the enemy's favorite tactics is to question the word of God and undermine your faith. Would you agree with this? Mm-hmm. How would you explain this to Catholics who have come out of this, of this religion? Now they constantly face a battle with the enemy. See, uh, I mean, we, we, we know about our three enemies. We have heard, but for those who are hearing, maybe some are hearing for the first time. 
once you are born again, once you come to the Lord and you're born of God's spirit, you have three primary enemies. Two are outside. One is inside. The one inside is the dangerous one. <laughs> your old man, the carnal man. You call it flesh. You want to call it the carnal man. And remember the carnal man. Romans 8 is absolutely clear. The carnal man is in enmity with God. Mm. The flesh contends with the spirit. So in Galatians and Romans, you will see what happens. It's an enmity with God. You cannot tame the carnal man. He is in enmity with God. So he, you have your enemy. Why? What is he basically at enmity with? With the word of God. Hmm. The law of yes, exactly. See, Jesus said it very clearly in John chapter 6, 63, 63, if I'm right. Yes, that's right. Six, yeah. He says, you know, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. The word of God prof does not profit the carnal man at all. He has no glory in that. That's why the carnal man does not like the word. Does not like the word. Okay. He does not like the word. Because, let me, let me give you a minute, it is actually part of uh, tomorrow's message. John chapter 1, KJV, I want in, uh, John, Romans one ten in KJV, one ten if I'm right. Making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. What is Paul saying? This is my prayer, by the will of God, I have a very prosperous journey. Now, the carnal man looks at it and says, you know what? Paul is wishing he travels first class. <laughs> Do you know where this journey is described? In the last chapters of the book of Acts. He went in chains in a oh. Roman galley ship. It was a very prosperous journey. <laughs> but not the way the carnal man is thinking about. It was a very prosperous here actually means in the terms of successful. If you look at the context of his trip, the storm floating in the sea for weeks and weeks together, everybody giving up hope in the context of his travel. All the money in the world, all your influence in the world would have never saved you if you did not know God. The richest man would have died. The smartest man would have perished. The only reason um, the whole ship is successfully reaches the coast is because one man knows God and God is with him. Mm. That is what the Bible is talking about. What does prosper means? You have to look at your context and then realize, I cannot fail. I cannot fail. Now let me ask you the same question in the old covenant. Put a normal carnal man from the world in Joseph's place in Potiphar's house. Will he succeed? No. no. Put him in the prison for 10 years. Will he succeed? No. He will not. You know what? Joseph is prosperous. Prosperous. That is why the word of God is death sentence for the carnal man. Carnal man doesn't want that. He doesn't want that kind of prosperity. He doesn't want that kind of no. success. He wants a different kind of success which is the world's success. Well, success. So when the Bible uses the term prosperous, pr 
prosperous. Do not turn to the left and do not turn to the right. All your ways will be prosperous and success. You know how many battles they had to fight and how many people they had to kill? You read that and say, wow, I don't have to turn to the left or the right. If you walk straight, you'll be success and prosperous. <laughs> God says you will be, you will be fighting all your life. Yeah. Powers of darkness. But if you stick, I will give you success. What kind of success, Lord? The kind of success Paul had. Okay. Now if you look at Paul's success, it was not temporal. It was beyond his time. He's still a success. His success is still causing ripples in the world. Okay. And will continue to, It'll continue continue to, to cause. Him. Until the day of the Lord comes, Paul's success will continue. So it was not temporal. But the fact is that he was not a man living in the temporal, he was a man living in the eternal. Yeah. So because he is living in the eternal and now he is in the eternal, he is still enjoying his success on earth. Mm-hmm. He is able to see this success because tomorrow is Sunday. From a million pulpits, Paul will be opened up and read. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's what the Bible talks about. We may look at Abel as a failure. Mm. By faith he offered, and what did he get? He died, no children, nothing. But the Bible says, even though he is dead, he still speaks. What happens about Cain? Cain is also spoken about how one should never be like him. So that is our this thing about issue. So when you come to that ministry, yeah, let's go back to that question. No, okay. Anybody, what happens is. We have to come, again, the same thing is there. The devil will start questioning the word of God. Why does he question the word of God? Because if you believe the word of God, listen to the word of God, and hear the voice of the spirit behind the word of God, faith will come. Faith takes you into another realm. Takes you into a different realm. And in that realm, the devil has no power in that realm. He's powerless in that realm. Okay, powerless. See, uh, <coughs> the devil or people have only the power to harass you, to harm you. They cannot determine your response. The response is in your side. Okay. So when a man lives by sight, he's responding to the outward stimuli. When a man lives by faith, he refuses to respond to the outside circumstances. Mm. And the devil has no answer to a man or a woman who lives by faith. He has no answer. Because he cannot touch that area. He cannot touch that person. Okay. Mm. You, what can you do? You can whip a man. You can chain a man. If you kill a man, then your influence over him is over. So God says, don't worry about that. That's the last stage. But all that you can do till killing a man, if you respond by faith, devil has no power. Has no power. Okay. Our whole idea is that when we use terms like prosperity and riches, all that is there in the Bible. Okay. All that is the God is a God of riches. All there is. But because of this prosperity and riches gospel, it has created so much confusion. When God uses the term riches, and prosperity, he basically uses the term to understand abundance. What is abundance? I will always have more than enough to give. Mm. That's what it means. I mean, (laughs) rich men don't carry cash. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, how much do you... That's what Jesus is saying. If you have two shirts, give one away. Nobody goes around wearing two shirts. You know? Giving two words. So that's what God is talking about. In the Bible, when the Bible is talking about abundance, it's not talking about a whole lot of wealth. Though there were some people who had like that. But it is irrelevant. After some time, money is just a number. It is pointless. Second, we who are born again, live with this reality, you can't take anything with you. Mm. You can't take anything with you. So, there is no point in hoarding also. Okay? So, what do you need? I need more than enough. Why? Because I'm called to be a blessing. That is, in Ephesians, those who stole should no longer steal, but should work so that you will have to give. Mm. So the principle is completely different over here, is that in the kingdom of God, prosperity means doesn't mean a huge amount of wealth and all that. No, that's another trap. Mm -hmm. It's basically talking about that. Everyone in the kingdom of God wants to be a blessing. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Wants to be a blessing. And that's what Paul is talking about in the island, in the prison in Philippi. He says, you know what? I know how to abound. I know. I can do all things. It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. He's always prosperous. This man is always prosperous. Okay. When you are in prison and when everybody is giving, getting their rations, you don't, you are in chains. What you want is not excess food to supply. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. What you need is an excess grace to give. I am sure there was nobody around Paul who was depressed. Okay. The Bible says in the, in the, in the prison in Philippi, all the captives were listening. All suddenly there was silence. Okay, silence. And everybody was listening. Why? Everybody's spirits were being lifted up by two people who had an abundance of grace in them. Sometimes we do not know what we have is what the world does not have. And we want what the world has. And God says, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You know. So, for Catholics or anybody who has come from whichever religion, we face constantly a battle with the enemy. And the battle is primarily in our mind. Second Corinthians 10, 4, 5, no? You go over there, mm. that's what Bible actually says. The battle is here. Mm. You have to win it in your mind, you know? <clears throat> For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. How do we fight this battle with the enemy? Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It has to be brought to the obedience of the word of God. There's anything, another thing about when you are talking about bringing your thoughts. The Bible is very clear about it. The word that can save you is very near you. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Confession is important as much as believing. If we remember, like I can personally say, what is that I remember from my childhood? Nursery rhymes and multiplication tables. Do you know why? Because I confessed it over and over <laughs> and over and over and over it again. <laughs> I didn't understand when I was learning in class 1 and 2, 66 six or 36. 
it didn't matter i said it over and over and over and over and over again okay so in reality there is something whatever you believe is what you confess and most of the time we confess unbelief confess unbelief okay when god tells joshua don't turn from my word do not let it depart from your mouth he says you know what what you believe you have to speak the more you speak you will believe it mm. the more you believe it that becomes your reality otherwise what you see with your eyes the physical what you experience you will start saying it and you know what happens you will start thinking that becomes your reality you will start thinking so there is this other side of it one is believing the other side is confessing confessing and if you look at paul's confession in philippians chapter 4 you look at the context in where he is and you look at his confession if people were to just read philippians chapter 4 they would wonder where is this man he seems a very happy man prosperous man well to do man then you tell him he's lying in a roman dungeon 4 5 6 yeah the lord yeah the he said lying in a roman a dungeon and look at what he say rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice he is not only thinking he is speaking everything that he says is what he thinks and what he thinks is right okay so when you come out of something and when you start moving in your faith we have to meditate upon the word of god and we have to speak we are not denying facts mm-hmm. of what is happening in your life that is where the psalmist comes in he says this is what i'm going through but but this is what god is yes, this is what god is and that is the eternal reality ultimately everybody knows death will come death will come and when death comes what happens after that what happens after that for those who are saved we have an entire record of what what life is post death there is no fear about it there is excitement about it there is glory about it there's an unbelievable indescribable joy about it so if death is the end of all the troubles of this life at the end of it is death and after that is the reality then you live in the light of it and you're not afraid because what is the worst thing that can happen to you die you die <laughs> right the worst thing that can happen is not you go to jail you die in jail <laughs> okay you die in jail okay but uh, post death for us is an unbelievable picture see you have to meditate mm. upon these things mm. meditate upon our things you see why people don't meditate upon things because they don't walk by faith mm. so they are very very skeptical about death because they know no you know what i die over there i don't know what i'm going to face because i know my mind is over here and i'm not living the way i live <laughs> no okay that's the problem with knowledge when it does not become faith okay, like as like you use the illustration in church the worst ladies who can get pregnant are gynecs once they get pregnant all they think is complications okay <laughs> average woman enjoys her pregnancy other than throwing up morning and evening she other she has no other fears because she does not know what complication is 
Okay. So the problem is when you have knowledge of the word of God without faith, knowledge works against you. It doesn't come, it does not comfort you. It does not comfort you. Okay, the Bible talks about the comfort of scriptures. Mm. Right? The Bible talks about the comfort of scriptures. When does scripture comfort you? Okay. The Bible talks about promises of God. Oh, everything God has for us are in His promises. His very life is in His promises. Right? If His very life is in His promises, then why don't we go into the promises? Because except for certain promises which are unilateral, I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh, almost every promise is conditional. conditional. Yes. And we look at the promise and we look at the condition, we will <laughs> say, you know what? It's too much. Too much to whom? The carnal man. The carnal man. It is too much for the carnal man. He likes the promises. The carnal man likes the promises. But he doesn't like the conditions. Okay, so he goes to the world because the world there are no conditions. <laughs> there are no such conditions. Fear of the Lord. I mean, where in the world will you ever hear anybody talking about the fear of the Lord? So he prefers. See, an average Christian, when he wants to live on earth, he wants to enjoy the world and die and go to heaven. That is the average mind of a Christian. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. The promises are there. And all his life, if you go to Second Peter, chapter 1, where it's 2, 3, 4, or 3, 4. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We read that too, meditate, but we will say, you know what, I don't want it. Because that promises and that life is escaping this world. But my mind is in this world. <laughs> my mind is in this world. So I don't want to escape this world. I want to enjoy this world as the average Christian. So for them, they have joy lost in. That's why they listen to joy lost in. There's no escaping this world. Your best life now. <laughs> okay. So that's where it, that's where it lies. Okay, but. You have to keep your eyes on eternity, the goodness of God, and the kindness of God, the mercy of God, and what eternity is going to be like. And then you realize it's worth fighting this battle. And the devil will start causing doubt. He will. He will attack your mind. And you have to fight it. Hold up the shield of faith. The Bible talks about the shield of faith in Ephesians 6, to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. From the time you wake up in the morning, the darts come. That's come. Honestly, people, when they are going through trouble, no, everybody goes through trouble. Christians are going. Everybody is waiting for a little good news. Mm. In the temporal. Okay, in the temporal. Everybody is waiting for a little good news in the temporal. 
Okay. And it's a natural thing. Mm. Even Paul, when he writes his final letter, second Timothy, he says, nobody looked for me. One Ephraim has searched for me and found me. I mean, he also lying in the cell and hoping somebody will come. No? Visitors are coming for different, different people. Nobody is coming for Paul. And with Paul, people should come because he knows more people than most people put together. He has served so many. Nobody is coming for him. Then finally, one Ephraim has come. So you can't take those desires away. You're still hoping for some good news. But the whole question is, even when no good news comes, he says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. That's what he says. The Lord is near. Nobody turned up for my first defense. But the Lord stood by me. Mm-hmm. So you want, if you have a temporal solace, it is good. But if it does not come, how will you react? Is the question. We all need temporal. We all need that temporal. But if it does not come, what will we do? That is the reality of faith. God is there. He's promised. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you till the end. And we have to dwell our hearts on that. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Again, I think there's another follow-up question to this. Uh, this is question number 16, because we're still talking about how to handle the ministry. What are the divine sources, therefore, that God makes available to his servants for their ministry? This is question number 16. Okay, there's one more question that's come. Okay, yeah, what's that? One second. What, what are the divine? What are the divine sources that God makes available to His servants for their ministry? Oh, His His uh, divine resource God makes just not for ministry, but for life is His Holy Spirit. That's His primary, primary resource. That I mean, the Word, the Spirit. And with the Spirit comes the power. With the Spirit comes the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's all for the ministry. But ministry, it is not actually the acts of the apostle. It is the acts of the Holy Spirit. You take the Holy... You, you tell me one chapter in the book of Acts which is not supernatural. Ah. Every, every chapter. Every chapter is supernatural. Including chapter one where Jesus ascends <laughs> and through the Holy Spirit comes and teaches them. Every chapter is supernatural. Mm. So if you want to talk about what is the divine resource, the problem is the redeemed man is trying to do a ministry in his own intellect and capability and God says no. Okay. There are, there are a couple of things about ministry. One, the Spirit of God, the Word of God. Okay, you need the Word of God, His Word. The Spirit of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And important thing in ministry is in Corinthians. Paul plans. First Corinthians 3. First Corinthians 3 and verse 6, 7, 8. Got it? Yeah. I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything. Nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. And the principle in this. So you have to do your work. Don't look at the increase. Don't judge the increase. Because you do not know when the increase will come. Mm. When the increase. Never judge or compare yourself to another man's ministry and his life. And want to 
replicate him. Because each servant is different. Apollos cannot do Paul's ministry. Because Apollos hasn't gone through Paul's experiences. I want Paul's anointing. Question is, are you willing to live Paul's life? Okay. Are you willing to live Paul's life? You cannot come and start a church in Hyderabad and then in two months have 500 people because he used all. And then a pastor from UP comes and looks here and says, I don't know why I've been in UP. I've been struggling for 10 years. My church is not growing. Don't compare him to you because his ground is different. Mm -hmm. It's a truly hostile ground. To get two people is worth his 500. Worth is 500. So never compare. Stick to the word because you cannot turn. The Holy, if you stick away from the word of God, the Holy Spirit will not work because the Holy Spirit waits for the word or he will only magnify Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. So the word of God and just don't do with the word of God because even God doesn't do with the word of God alone. He does with the word and the spirit. Okay, wait for the spirit. Even he told Jesus. He taught them scriptures, opened their minds, they understand scriptures. He said, don't leave until you have received power. So the power comes from the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he gives gifts. The time of the gifts is not over. That's already happened when uh, you, the resurrection or what rapture takes place. Mm-hmm. Till then, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit will be there. So for the resources, you have the word. You have the spirit, you have prayer, you have the church, you have unity. All these are part of it. Please understand, all these are part of ministry resources. People, if you go back to uh, that question, people talk about ministry resources. What are the divine resources that God makes available to his servants for their ministry? Let me tell you, a believing wife, a praying wife. If you are a married pastor, you have a praying wife. It's worth Half the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Okay. A praying wife. A believing praying wife. Okay. That's, that's, uh, that's, uh, your hands, literally, who lifts your hands up. On the other hand, if you have conflict with your wife, your prayers are hindered. Your ministry is on a different tangent altogether now. So if you want to look at resources, people don't see these as simple resources, but they're very powerful resources. Powerful resources. If you, if you do not have a believing wife and you are in ministry, a believing wife who set herself apart for a husband's ministry. Set herself apart for a husband's ministry. That's why we always say, if your husband is a pastor, you should be with him. Don't do anything else. His life will be a struggle. Your life will be a struggle. Don't do anything else. Okay. And if you are a single man and you're called to be a pastor, when you get married, remember your ministry prioritizes your marriage. Meaning you marry a woman only who will be with you in ministry. Don't marry somebody else. Oh, no, no, I will do ministry. You work in the bank. It won't work. Your ministry will go nowhere spiritually. It will go nowhere. You want a full-time ministry partner with you. It will not. It will not go further. It, it simply will not work. 
So, so these are all divine resources. These are all the pastors. There's, there's actually a verse in First Corinthians chapter three, verse twenty-one, which says all things. Mm. It actually talks about the people three, three, uh, three twenty-one, <coughs> or three twenty-one and twenty-two. Okay, just twenty-one yeah. and twenty-two. Therefore, let no man burst in and for all mm. things are yours. And the mm. first thing that he mentions is whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas. Mm. It's people who are, God gives uh, gives us in our life for the support of the ministry. Right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, but basically we are talking about, uh, he, here, he's, in this case, he's telling the people that resources that God gives me. We are your resources. But the question is basically, if you are in the ministry, what are your resources? It's the other way around. Mm. For the people, we are your resources. But for us, what are our resources? What are our resources? Primarily it is the word. It begins with the word. It is a spirit. It's the gifts of the spirit. And then if you are married, it's your wife. It's your wife. Okay, your home. Peace in your home. Mm. Okay, these are all fundamental to ministry. Because if you do not have peace in your home, it will affect your ministry. See, ministry is not preaching. Yeah. Ministry is not preaching. Ministry is the effect you have in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. That is ministry. It's not preaching. It's not preaching. Okay. So Paul is not a preacher. He's not a great preacher. Mm-hmm. He's a great writer. He's not a great preacher. But powers of darkness tremble, tremble. before him. Because you know why? Yeah. They, under, they understand the power he wields. So ministry is not about the crowds you gather or entertain or preach. None of these things, we have no idea what is the eternal effect of these ministries which we see. The effect of Paul's ministry is passing on generation to generation. It's passing on, you know why? Because of the impact it had in the supernatural realm. Okay, like we say, there are only two people who need to know your name. Does God know your name? He shouldn't say, I never knew you. Second, does the devil know your name? Okay, that's what the sons of Sceva, the, the demon said. Paul I know, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? Hmm. Okay, the devil does not know you. That means you have no effect in in his in his kingdom. Mm. You have no kingdom. So when we are talking about ministry, it is not about what we see. Because if you what we see with our eyes, that is the church. The Catholic Church is the biggest church, and the most powerful preacher is the Pope. The dude doesn't know even how to preach. And most of the time, what he speaks is against Scripture. How does he become big? He's not big. He has no effect in the spiritual realm at all. Absolutely no see, The devil laughs at him. That's no effect. Well, you can have a country preacher, a simple fellow in the village over there, who is walking in the spirit, and the demons tremble before them. Mm-hmm. You look at Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin sitting over there, and you look at little Stephen standing before them. Who is the devil afraid of? The devil is not afraid of the entire Jubit Sanhedrin. He's afraid of Stephen. Afraid of Stephen. So that's what. So if you look at Stephen, let me ask you this question. Did Stephen start a church? No. Did he gather a crowd? No. Did he preach many sermons? No. Did he have an eternal effect? He had. He had an effect. His effect is still there going on. The first man to die for Christ. First man to be martyred. First man to see heavens open and see the Son of God stand. He's, and the first man through whom we have revelation from the book of Genesis mm-hmm. and the book of Exodus and all what is not there, we have revelation from this man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what Bible is talking about. So when we look about ministry, never look at the temporal. Never look at the temporal. Like when we, I mean, it's not scripture, but when we were doing 
in our universities in literature. One of the things uh, they used to teach us is that how do you judge a great book? It's shelf life. He said, wait 200 years. Mm -hmm. Who will read it? They used to tell us, and which is true, they said 99.99% of the books which you see has bestsellers. In 50 years' time, nobody would touch it. Shakespeare would still be read. Still would be read because of the quality of the literature. That's how you judge something that is great. Okay, something that is great. So we have 2,000 years of human history, <laughs> 500 years of written, published this thing. Okay. Best book is the Bible. <laughs> Bible, of course, is a class apart. We are talking about preachers. We know about Spurgeon. As long as the church is there on earth, people will still read. 50 years from now, who will read Joel Austin? Who will read Joyce Meyer? Who will listen to any of these preachers? They won't be even there mentioned. In the last hundred years, how many preachers' names can we recollect? We will see only a handful. So true. Only a handful. You know why? Because they have Perfect. become part of the eternal. Mm-hmm. They've become the part of the yeah, eternal. Man, so man. we are not looking for temporal glory over here. Mm. We are not looking for temporal glory over here. Because if you look at the temporal, you will have to sacrifice the eternal. Because the temporal is for the carnal man. You're trying to get that carnal man's fame, carnal man's applause, carnal man and this thing, you know what? So what do you mind? You forgo your eternal for the temporal. And if you look at the people who are eternal, they refuse to forgo the eternal for the temporal. Okay. You think it wasn't easy for Moses to change his doctrine a little and keep the people happy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> After all, he was trained in all the wisdom of Egypt. Egypt. And what did the people want? They wanted Egypt. And he is the expert of Egypt. Aaron can't say I was trained in the wisdom of Egypt. Only Moses is trained in the wisdom of Egypt. He can give them Egypt in a platter. He's been trained in Egypt. He refuses. He, He refuses. No Egypt. He knows everything about Egypt. And he says, no Egypt. He refuses. So you know what? His ministry was not temporal. Mm. His ministry was eternal. Yes. Okay, so God gives us resources. And oh, we sir, make it's it interesting help. that you mentioned about Stephen. Mm. The only thing, the resources that he this talked about him is that he's full of wisdom, he's full of faith, he's full of the full fa- of, for power and uh, full of the grace of God. Grace, that, uh, and the revelation. That was what but he was full of. Primarily it is the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. the Word. See, you can, there's another question. I think there was one question. Uh, it must be there. It's from the kids from the home yes, yes, about yes, the yes, Bible. Yes, yes, we'll, yes, yes. we bring that also connected with Sure, that. sure. I'm going to get that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, yes, I got yeah. it. Yes, question number? This is question number 20. 20. Oh, no, 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 not 20. One second, Pastor. Well, the last question. Yes, 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 yes. The last. This is question number 20, yes. Mm. Question number 20. The better we know the Bible, the better we can know the person of God, the will of God, and how the work of, and how to work for God. Would you agree? Christians who live in the world are used of God to get His work done in this world. Can you explain this to my children? They say we cannot live the Bible every day because we are sinners and we all fall short. See, okay. this, this, uh, this is where the kids get it wrong, is that we are not called to be perfect. We're called to be blameless. Okay? Mm. 
the mercy and the grace of God is set before us every day. Let's go to Hebrews 4.16. Okay? We have to keep going back to scripture. That's wherever, okay? Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. First thing what we want is mercy. What is mercy for? Because you failed. Mm. And the thing is that mercy cannot be earned. It's always free. Mercy cannot be earned. So for all God's children, there is mercy. Mm. There is mercy because he knows we are on a path of overcoming sin. Okay? We have been freed from the penalty of sin. Jesus paid that price. Now we are on the road to overcoming sin. So on this road, you will keep falling. You will keep falling. But when you keep falling, God says, keep coming back. Keep coming back. Mm. Mercy is there because we need mercy. When you fall, you need mercy. But he says, don't stop at that. Find grace to help in time of need. Ask for grace. Okay, ask for grace. Now, how do you find grace? That is where the word of God comes. How do I find grace? Go back to that question. The better we know the Bible, the better we can know the person of God. Okay, now, the, the will of God and how to work for God. Okay, now, you don't work for God, you let God work through you. Okay? It's, it's, it's a subtle difference. Okay, but here, we need to realize this. You have to be very, very careful that when we listen to the word, when we read the word, we are not looking f- for knowledge primarily. We are looking for the person. The Pharisees were full of the word of God and they killed the word of God. <laughs> okay, They killed the God of the word. They killed him. So we don't want that. We don't want when. No, we don't want because theologians destroy faith. Destroy faith. We don't want to be a theologian. I don't want to be a theologian. So that's why I'm not b- 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 bothered if people say I don't understand hermeneutics and all. I am not. I don't understand. I don't want to understand. Okay. I'm not interested. I'm interested in Jesus. If I can find Jesus when I read my scripture, I'm satisfied. Okay, I don't want to know the techniques of apologetics and all Then I don't want. I just want the Spirit of God that when you are in a situation, the Spirit of God needs to say witness. So I don't want apologetics. I want the Spirit of God. And I've always realized that whenever the Holy Spirit has been there and helped me, people are convinced. Okay, so we are not looking at that format. We are looking at. So the thing is that why do you, why do you want to know the Bible? You want to know the person of God. That's the only reason, the word of God. But it will not happen unless the Holy Spirit comes. You cannot intellectually know God. God is a person. You cannot intellectually know God. You have to experience him. And you experience him through the spirit of God. And what happens is that you get to know the will of God. Like keep saying, children are so... People get so upset about finding the will of God. But the will of God is very clear. The general will of God is do this, don't do this. Right? <coughs> this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is the will of God. Redeem the time for the days of, that is also the will of God. So if you look at the general will of God, it is not very difficult. Yeah. I mean, uh, will Roshan ask, should I talk kindly to Tabitha? You have to ask, <laughs> is it the will of God that I should talk kindly to Tabitha? 
you know it is the will of god see most of the will of god in our day to day life we know the bible is not very complicated in those things the day to day things which we have to do you know we know we know it what we need to do nothing the problem is we become we become religious we become religious like you know especially young people you have to give time for young believers to get into that discipline okay get into that discipline okay like oh i missed my devotions today <coughs> okay and they get upset okay and now <laughs> think think about it okay i'm not saying that you should not have discipline you should have discipline but grow into it but think about it okay you woke up in the morning and you hurried and because you were in a hurry you did not talk to your wife then you came to the office and half an hour later you called and talked to your wife honey i was in a hurry today so i could not talk to you okay so you talked to her for 15 minutes so relationship still the same so are you doing your devotion so are you talking to your god <laughs> question that's a question okay the problem is we have made this into religion okay made in the religion okay okay now on the other hand if you do this daily with your wife it will become problematic Absolutely. it will become back problematic okay it will become problematic it's not a law it's not a yeah it become problematic because then it actually means there's a issue in the relationship mm-hmm. that's why you are not talking every day you choose to wake up and go without talking because there's a issue with the relationship so we need to see that we don't become religious don't become religious it is got to do with the relationship mm. okay and the only way you can study your word meditate your word is you are looking for the person of jesus christ in whom there is no condemnation there is no condemnation god doesn't condemn his child if god condemns his children then he is using the tool of the devil Man, he will not, not use condemn. the tool of the devil he does not use the enemy's condemnation is the enemy's tool mm. okay but jesus did not disarm the devil to take it from him and use it against <laughs> us <laughs> that is one of the arms of the enemy accusation condemnation and all from the devil god does not condemn his children he will convict us he will discipline us he will all that he will do but he will never condemn us mm. he will not condemn us okay so then you do the general will of god okay like i said when you continue in the general will of god you will run into the specific will of god yep. it will it will find you it will find Absolutely. you and even if it doesn't find you maybe the general will of god is what your specific is is your specific will is Absolutely. specific let me ask a simple question what was the will of god for hannah raise all samuel Okay. What is the specific will of God, Hannah, to raise Samuel for God? Now, if you learn that from that, you will realize that is a specific will for every mother to raise your children for God, that they will serve God all the days of their life. One lesson you learn from Hannah, every mother can learn, is to raise my children to serve God. You found your will. You found your will. Okay. Because sometimes we do not realize. Imagine on the other hand. 
Samuel is birthed and Hannah decides, you know what, I'm going to leave it with Penina and I'm going to get into full-time ministry. What will, be, what will be the state of Israel? What will be the state of Israel? <laughs> People don't realize this. The most important work Hannah ever did in her entire life, she did it in five years. That's it. That's it. She did it in five years. That, was, that? A that was a will of God for her life. That was a will of God for her life. But let us say Hannah lived for 80 years. If she failed in that five years, she has missed out the will of God. For herself, for the nation. Her entire 80 years, 75 years don't have much meaning. Have much, no, have no much meaning. Well, let's take another woman in the Bible called Mary. Mary's entire life, will of God is in one statement. Let it be unto me according to thy word. She has only one purpose of God, bear a child. No instructions are given to her, don't drink. All that is irrelevant. What? Even if she drinks, it will not touch Jesus. He's born of God. It's not going to affect Jesus. Or it's not like Hannah or like Samson. Jesus is a different picture. What Mary is not, is not going to affect Jesus. Only thing Mary has to do is be a willing vessel by offering a womb to the Holy Spirit to bear Jesus. Once she has done, she has fulfilled God's will. She's fulfilled God's will. See, she can't raise him wrong. He won't go wrong. Okay. Oh, I was very lax in disciplining. It is not going to make any difference to this boy. He will not sin. So, what is Mary's fulfilling God's will? Bear that child. So, we have to see... We have to do the general will of God. For many people, the specific will of God will be so small, they miss it. They miss it. It will be staring right in their face. They miss it because they are looking out a full-time ministry. Like I said, most people are not called to full-time ministry. They are not called to full-time ministry. Okay? Like, you are faithful in your home, you are faithful in your church, you are faithful in your workplace, most people have fulfilled God's purpose in their life. Okay? Because everybody is not, because, let me tell you honestly, most people cannot handle the pressure of a full-time ministry. They cannot handle it. The attack of the enemy. They cannot handle it. So God does not call them to protect them. I want to be called like Paul. Really? Can you handle 39 whiplashes? Forget 39. Three? You will quit and go, Mark, John, Mark, quit and go without a lash. <laughs> he went. It never it is written that Demas went into prison with Paul. He left and went. Okay, so what? that's what I'm talking about. People are getting, getting kind of, our, our basic life itself is God's will for us. Wherever you are, you are faithful. You are faithful. Because ultimately when we are being judged before God, we are being judged for these qualities. That quality a pastor may not have after 50 years of ministry and the mother may have after 50 years in the silence of her home. Okay? 
A pastor, because he was on the battlefield all the time, he's very impatient, short-tempered, because he's fighting the devil on one side, his elders on one side, his congregation on one side. He's the most impatient man. While the mother, while the mother is a very patient, kind, gentle, because she was probably taking care of a special needs child. God gave her a special needs child. Four children, normal, one special needs. The special needs child made that mother very kind, very patient, long-suffering. You know what? She's got the character qualities to rule in heaven. Where did she get it from? Especially the child. And who looks at especially the child has the will of God for you? Okay. That day when we had Pastor Uttam's son passed away and when we had the memorial service, one of the sisters who spoke, he said, you know what? This child made pastor a pastor. He learned to be quiet and kind and patient and long-suffering because of this child. Because he couldn't be anything else with this child. And the child was attached to the father. So the father had to change. father had to change. He became a different man. How did he become a different man? And is being used now in the ministry. How has his ministry entirely changed? Not because of his congregation, but because of a special night child in the house. He changed as a person. Okay, so they said the child was a blessing. The child was a blessing. Okay, child was a blessing. So sometimes we don't understand. We are, we have these pictures we get from TV and all, and without realizing it, it is not that. This is what my will is. I will first fulfill the general will of God, and sometimes in fulfilling the general will of God, you are also fulfilling the specific will of God. Okay, it will meet you. You just stick to the general, the specific will come. Okay, it's like the first ten years of schooling. What do you have? Everybody has the same subjects. (laughs) Everybody's (laughs) subjects are the same. It's not that in class ten two people have option. No, everybody's subjects are the same. Okay, and when you finish class ten, the specific finds it. You don't find it. They find you. Mm -mm. You realize I can't handle this. I realize I can't handle math. The specific found me. <laughs> I can't handle this anymore. This is it. Okay, so that's how it works. But no. Study the word of God. Study the word of God. Get to know the per- let me give you an illustration. I've said this long time ago. Long time ago in the US in a uh, little town they had a competition, kind of Christian competition where um, they were to come and recite Psalm 23. So different people came and there is a crowded auditorium crowd. And then, then this young man came and recited uh, Psalm 23. It was so polished, so perfect. Everybody clapped. Okay. Then the last was an old man. The old man came and recited Psalm 23. And there was spin drop silence. And then the young man came back and said, I knew the shepherd psalm. He knew the shepherd of the psalm. Yeah, well. Okay. He said, I knew the shepherd psalm. But he knew the shepherd of the psalm. Okay. I'm telling you, that's why I love missions. Sometimes 
in missions, you run into people in the most remote parts of the world and you meet them and you know they know God better than you do. With all your theology, with all your experience, all your preaching, that man sitting in that little hut knows God. He knows God. He's got a relationship with God where you haven't reached yet. Reached yet. Okay. Ultimately, that's what it is all about. That we know God. Ultimately, we know God. Everything else falls into place. And how do you know God? By doing the simple, general will of God. General will is very common for everybody. You know, they read, especially one of the good books to read, doctrinal books to read is Ephesians. Do this, don't do this, speak like this, don't speak like that. You look at all general, very general, nothing complicated. Don't go to six. Don't get into spiritual battle and all that. Don't go over there. <laughs> Just read chapter four. Read chapter four. It's a simple day to day you're living. And you Lord, oh, this is God's will for me. Yes, it's your will for me. Lord, help me to be this. One day at a time, things will start falling into place. It will all fall into place. And you know what? You have peace. See, ultimately, you and I have only one employer. If your employer is happy with you, you are happy. We don't have to please people. People may be pleased, may not be pleased, but we have to please God. To please God. And if God is pleased with you, Okay, 30 years of Jesus' life. What do we know? Nothing. One line. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. That's all that matters. Well done, my good and faith. That's all that matters. Nothing else matters in life. One sentence. Well done, my good and faithful. You know what? How many simple people will hear it from God? And if you look at them, you never heard about them. They were never on magazine cover. They were never on any Christian channel. You never saw them anywhere. Maybe even in their own church, their pastor really did not know them. God knew them. God knew them. You know, so be practical about it. And if you have a very special calling, let it find you. Let it find you. Okay. God gave Joseph two dreams. But before Joseph got two dreams, he lived the general will of God. He honored his father. He loved his brothers. He worked hard. He refused to bring a, accept the evil report about his father. And he was willing to serve his brothers. Though they hated him. And God spoke to him. So it was a general. Same thing with David. He listened to his father. Went and took care of the sheep. Party in the house. He's not called. He's not upset. He's still taking care of his sheep. And the specific will of God came and found him. While the prophet is trying busily to anoint somebody, God says no. Imagine if Samuel had not heard from God. He would have anointed Eliab or Shamma or Abinadab. One of the other boys would have got anointed. Once the oil is put, the oil is put. God will stand with his servant. (laughs) Again, you have to wait for one more generation to go to get another man. You look at this. How did these people discover it? They They didn't discover it. They discovered them. What were they doing? The simple. I keep telling, even in our church, what are you called to do in the church? Maybe a very simple thing. Just be faithful with that. Don't don't play with those things. We may think it's so irrelevant. What difference does it make? It makes a whole lot of difference to God. Pastor may have told you to do a simple thing. Simple thing. Okay? Simple thing. Like I keep telling the boys, you know, every Sunday I still have to come back. Do I have to keep telling you two, three young boys stand outside? Why, when the older people come, 
help them. But last Sunday also, they are not there to go. Why are you sitting over there? Go down over there. Now let me tell you, is it a very difficult thing to remember? The service starts at 9 o'clock. By 8.40, 8.45, 20 minutes stand outside. When the older people come, help their bags up, take them by hand, seat them. 9 o'clock, go sit in your feet. But you are not remembering. But if you are faithful, pastor told me it's a simple thing. Okay, after some time, you know what? You will enjoy it. You realize you have a ministry. I'm taking an old mother up. I'm taking an old grandmother up. They are leaning on my shoulder. Come better. You know what? Suddenly you have a ministry right there under your nose and God is watching. You're faithful to it. Hmm. People don't even see that it's a ministry. It is a ministry. Okay. Little, 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 little things over there and just stay faithful in it. Because promotion does not come from man. Does not come from man. It comes from God. I can still remember 1983, the month of December, Whaley Youth Camp, banks of the ocean, Arabian Sea and the backwaters, Whaley Youth Camp. It was my first youth camp. I've been saved only for two months. And the youth camp was going on. The last day, campfire, we're all sitting around a hundred or more kids from different colleges. My first youth camp, Catholic kid in a Protestant crowd, I of course got saved. And the last day, the preacher asked, how many of you would you like to give your life for full-time ministry? I don't know what happened. I put my hand up. Then I looked around. The only hand was mine. You know what? I'm in full-time ministry. You know when it happened? In December, Christmas time, in 1983. Did he call me to ministry, that man? No. Did anybody else call me to ministry? But God saw my hand. He saw my hand. Ten years later, he was called. And I was in full-time ministry. Okay, so there are a lot of things which you do. Okay? Nobody sees. God sees. God sees. And just be faithful. Just be faithful. If you're given an assignment to take the garbage or see the hall, like I tell you, I like little Levy. He's a cutie. Have you noticed, as soon as church is over, he comes up and he actually helps. Mm -hmm. He's not even, other kids come around and play and all. Levy is not playing. He's very serious about his duty. Mm -hmm. He is very, he has to fold up, he has to carry it, this thing. It's a very simple thing, no? And if he continues like that, you know what? There's somebody who's watching. Mm. Somebody who's watching. You know, he's watching. There's a little kid. His name is Levi. And what is the job of the Levites? To carry the objects in the church. <laughs> and he's already doing it. You know, little, 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 little things over there when you, this thing, you know. And God sees that. Okay, God sees that. And you okay, the problem is uh, people are not consistent. They don't see the importance of doing small things for a great God. That is the important. The important part is that the thing that you're doing may be very small, but don't forget you're doing it for a great God. Great God. Mm. It is not what you do, it's for whom you do that makes the whole lot of difference. The whole lot of difference makes a whole lot of difference. Okay, and that's why Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water, cup of water to a prophet, 
you will not miss a prophet's reward. Okay, now who would think about giving water? Hmm. Who would think about giving water? But if you look at Jesus' ministry, if you look at Jesus' ministry and his first ministry and his first miracle, who are the ones he used? Servants. The lowest servants in a household. Who are the lowest? The ones who are kept outside to wash the feet. And he began with them. When the Son of Man begins his ministry on earth and does his first supernatural work, who does he use? The lowest servants in a household. And you remember, they were faithful. Mary went and told them, do whatever he says. And he told them, fill the jars. The Bible says, they filled. He said, take a cup and take to the steward. They did. Mm. No questions. No questions asked. They just say, faithful to what he said. And you have a miracle. Should stand all eternity. Maybe we'll meet the servants in heaven and some of them will say, do you know me? No. I am the one who filled that jar. I am the one who filled the jar. You know, we'll meet all kind of strange characters <laughs> in heaven. And you will realize, you know what? They were all, what do you call, cogs in the machine. Right? In a machine we know, take one cog out, the whole thing starts coming apart. But you know what? Our cog is important. It's important. It does its function. And that's what Paul is talking about. One body, many parts. And many of the parts we do not see. We do not see. And have no fame, no glory. Are very important. You know, I don't know when was the last time I looked at my little toe. I think I'm looking at it now this month. Who looks at your little toe? <laughs> But let the hammer fall on it. <laughs> you see what happens to the whole body? <laughs> whole body? That's, that's what we are talking about. Each one has to do what you have to do in the church. And once there is such a person like that, when he is not, let me, let me ask, let's use an example. Okay. Let us say tomorrow Derek is in there. Now, most people don't even see Derek. If you come by the right-hand side, you don't see Derek. Derek is on the left-hand side. But if Derek is in there, suddenly you'll realize Derek is in there. There's nobody to welcome, nobody to give the cards. So, where is Derek? Where is Derek? Where is Derek? But Derek, is, his absence is known only when he's not there. Yes, true. When he's there, nobody notices Derek. Yeah, absolutely. But Derek is an integral. And what has Derek been doing for years? The same thing. Same thing. The same thing. He's been doing the same thing. Consistently faithfully doing the same thing. He gives the cards out. He greets the people who come. And he comes and he gives it to me. Okay. Faithful. Consistently doing one small. So we don't realize. They're all parts of the body when one person is missing. On the other hand, you tell somebody something and they do it once and the next Sunday they're not to be seen. You never miss them. Because you know. You never miss them. Okay, and that's what God is talking about. First do the general will of God. You know what? And you become dependable. First you have to prove to God wherever you are placed in a home or anywhere that you are dependable. Okay, dependable. Jesus never did a miracle. Nothing is about him until he started his ministry. And the Bible says in the wedding of Cana, Mary and the family was there. Family, relatives, all. Why did she come to Jesus? Because he was dependable. Because he was dependable. Mm -hmm. 
was dependable. She was not expecting a miracle. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure she was not expecting a miracle because there has been no miracles for 30 years. <laughs> you don't expect, you can't expect something which you don't know. But she knew one thing. I have got all these kids, four or five or six kids, brothers and sisters. But he is the one who will get it done. <laughs> He's the one who will get it done. He's dependable. You tell him something to do, he will do it. He will do it. Okay. And that's basically, first be dependable. Once you are dependable, you know what? God says, you know what? I got a kid who's dependable. And where to where God moves people? I mean, what's God talking about? Oh, David. Oh, he's dependable with lambs and sheep and goats. Wow. He's dependable. He's not looking at the sheep or the lamb. He's dependable. That's it. You know what? From the wilderness to the palace. (laughs) Put him in charge of my people. That's it. You know what? He's got one quality. He's dependable. He won't, he's not a quitter. He won't quit. He won't quit. Lion can come, bear can come. He won't quit. If he won't quit in the face of a lion for a lamb, he will not quit in the face of Goliath. I can send him. He won't quit. But this fellow is not a quitter. He's dependable. So these are the things which we have to prove to God. Lord, and these are not difficult things. These are not difficult. Lord, you can depend upon me. I'm not, I have my problems, I have my, all my issues, all these things. But Lord, you know what? I will not quit. I will not quit. Now, these are what we call, th- that is why the most, when we talk about the will of God, connected with the will of God, the most important part of mine is my will. The most important facet of my character, or your character which God has given you, is your will to choose. Wow. It's your will. And we have to, we use a will anyway every day. God says, use your will and choose. Hallelujah. Choose. Use your will to choose and be consistent. When you're consistent, one day you know what? God will say, you're dependable. Can you see? I can do. You're dependable. I can use you. No? More prayer requests are coming. Little things. Yeah, can no. people of different denomination be Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox? be in heaven in the presence of God if they have and share the common message of the gospel, but differing slightly differences in doctrine. Yes. You, you cannot, you cannot differ in the fundamental doctrine. Okay. Can be a Catholic and be saved. Mm -hmm. Orthodox and saved. Orthodox and be saved. I I, I will not deny that fact. Because... uh, Salvation is a supernatural work yes. of God. If you have heard the gospel, if you have heard the gospel, and you have repented and believed only in the work of Jesus Christ, okay, repent, believe, and be baptized. Three things which God tells you for salvation. Repent, believe, and be baptized. So which baptism is not as important as the first two things. It has to follow. Mm. It has to follow for you to really experience your salvation. But if you have truly heard the gospel, and like if you are an orthodox, okay, like let us say you're from the orthodox church or the catholic church where you have Mary worship and the book saints and all these things you are in. And then some, let us say, you heard a message. And you heard, oh, this is the gospel. Okay? Like, like it happened to me. I heard the gospel. And I believed. I believed. Now, I had no church. So I went back to the Catholic church. I had no church to go because they never told me about church. Okay. But the problem is after I saved, when I sat in the church, it was like, what's happening here? 
that's what Jesus said. You cannot put new wine into old yeah, skin bags. Yeah. Okay, skin bags. Okay. Yet, I studied in a Catholic college. And in the Catholic college, it was interesting, even those days, the charismatic priests used to come. And when you went to listen to them, you knew they were different. Hmm. And the funny part is that when the charismatic priests used to come to preach in our college auditorium, there would be spies from the bishop's house to listen to them whether they are preaching against Mary. Okay. It was interesting. This thing was going within the Catholic Church then itself. Okay, But what I'm saying, leaving that all aside, the fact is that if our fundamentals are the same, you are saved. But the only issue is that you will be in heaven but when you are on earth, you will struggle. So there is another part of the gospel which is important, which is called separation. Separation. You, you growing, you growing will be retarded. I'm not saying you cannot be saved. Then I would be going against scripture. Against scripture. You can be saved. But post Salvation. There are certain other factors that are important, vital to your growth. Mm. And one of that is separation. And the problem is, that is where separation comes. Because what separates you? Doctrine separates you. Doctrine separates you. Go to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2. Let us, oh, not uh, 6. Therefore, having discussions of the elementary principles of Christ. So there are elementary principles of your salvation. Let us go on to perfection. Meaning, we have to go on to perfection, yes. We have to go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Okay? So one of the fundamental things which I realized when I was in the Catholic Church is that much of the works was dead. Much of the works was dead. It had no meaning. So dead works. So the question is, you are saved. Are you going to partake of the dead works? Mm. Okay. So what happened? You step aside. You are still in the church. You step aside. You step aside. Like, I am the only Catholic in my family who never took communion in the Catholic church. Never took communion in the Catholic church. In the church, I never took Catholic. Because... The doctrine was wrong, that it literally becomes the body and mm. the blood of Jesus Christ. They have got it completely wonky. Okay? So you will suddenly realize there are doctrines that are happening over there yeah. which does not I agree, agree with the word of God. Yes. Okay? Dead work. Second, what is that? Faith towards God. Now again, that became problematic. To have faith towards God, I need to hear the preaching of the word of God. But in the church where I sat, there was no preaching of the word of God. There was no preaching of the word of God. They have this book that comes from the bishop's house, and he used to read it out, 10-minute message, always a social message. There was no word being preached. So there was no faith towards God happening. And then we come to the third part, doctrine of baptisms. Now the problem is the doctrine of baptism is coming third. You have repented, you have believed, you got baptized. The problem is I was baptized on the eighth day as a Catholic <laughs> boy. So I cannot even talk baptism in the church. Wow. Cannot even talk baptism. So when you come over there, you will realize there are 
fundamentals. Are you saved? Yes. Will you go on to perfection? No. You cannot. Because what is the block? The doctrine becomes the block. So, you will have to separate. I'm not saying, of course you will be in heaven. There will be Catholics in heaven, Orthodox people in heaven, godly people are there, very kind, nice, kind, saved people are there. But, moving on with God to perfection, these things become hindrances. That's what I have to say. Pastor, Pastor, is it possible uh, to hold on to the doctrine of uh, immaculate count conception, etc., once you become a... Uh, once you become See, for the average Catholic, most of the average Catholics, these concepts mean nothing. Yeah. If you are not saved, Catholicism is a very good religion. Sin as much as you want, confess, have a blast. <laughs> this, this is what we thought as a Catholic. It's an absolutely funda religion to go. Okay? Before Lent, the day before the Lent, have a blast. After Lent, have a blast. It's a musty religion to us. But well, in the Catholic yeah. Church, the average, there are devout ones who really study the word, they hear, they see. For them, it's a different thing. I'm talking about an, when you are an average Catholic, it is a fun life. It is literally eat, drink, and be merry. Mm-hmm. Eat, drink, and be merry. It's a, it's a musty life. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a musty life. But if you are, what do you say, a searching Catholic, then it becomes problematic for mm. you. Problematic for you. Because you suddenly realize you don't know who to ask. Because you go ask the priest. The priest doesn't know. You can ask the nun. The nun doesn't know. Doesn't know. Honestly, they don't know their scriptures. Okay. Now I believe in the past so many years because of the charismatic moment, moment. there has been a great it's revival final. within the Catholic Church where there is a focus on the word, on the word of yes. God. But their biggest stumbling block is Mary. Absolutely. And until they deal with one it. Of the, one of the strong messages that they have is that even the early forefathers, church fathers used to believe in this doctrine and therefore <laughs> they would hold on to it no matter what. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is exactly what yeah, they wrote. Yeah, the fundamental <laughs> issue is with Mary. And they don't look in the scripture. They look in the scripture. What Jesus said to his mother. He respected her yet. But he never gave her that status. And that becomes a fundamental block. And the saints, all the saints, they brought idolatry back in. And that is the sad part. They brought idolatry into the church. And it is a mess. Everything, all that. It's basically religion. Mm -hmm. It's basically religion. Like any pagan religion, it became like a pagan religion. And the world sees that. As that has Christianity, he becomes a vicar. And priests don't marry. So the simple question to ask is that who is your first pope? They will say, Peter. Question. Did Peter have a mother-in-law? <laughs> he had. The Bible says Jesus went to and healed his mother-in-law. So Peter was married. So if the pope was married, why don't you let them get married? You wouldn't have all these scandals in the church. Why did you bring? I'm not saying. It, it should be like, uh, like some of the orthodox de- denominations have it. The priest can marry. But if you want to become a bishop, you cannot marry. But you can marry. You can marry. Okay, so it should be a choice. You can marry or remain celibate. It should be a choice. It should be a choice. It should not be made into a discipline, into a law. It creates all the trouble. But other than that, if the fundamentals are right of salvation, anybody can get saved. 
anybody can say but after the fundamentals are this thing you want to grow you will have to separate because doctrine will separate you are separated by doctrine and ultimately doctrine matters doctrine what you believe matters Mm-hmm. what you believe matters oh no he is i met this author of gentleman he is so kind does his kindness make him a believer i met many kind hindus and muslims really kind okay so you are getting it wrong mm. you are getting it wrong you are getting it wrong amen amen wow i was we'll stop there yes <laughs> sami everything is okay na sami Yeah, everybody can hear. And I got a missed call from abroad, so I was wondering maybe when the sound went or anything. Everything is okay. 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 So, Pastor Vijay, we'll call it for today. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Okay. So, simply to the young people in, in New York, all those places where you got saved, <coughs> don't s- stress, but do what you have to do. Study your word, read your word, but love God. And do your simple, simple, basic things. Okay, be faithful. Somebody who's running the house tells you to do something, given you a duty. Be the best you can and do it as unto the Lord. Don't even worry about. Uh, don't even worry about whether somebody sees it or comments you. Do it to God, because there's a God who's watching. Like I said, no. Uh, the simple thing we look at it. Why did David become king? because he was faithful as a shepherd simple he was faithful as a shepherd now who would ever consider faithfulness as a shepherd boy it qualifies you to be the king of israel only god only god okay. that's where we have to look at it the god's god, the way god looks at life is completely different from us we look for talented people smart people qualified people god doesn't look at any of those things he doesn't look at any of those things he looks as for people who are faithful You know, he looks so faithful. What dependable, you know? And your faithfulness is tested, actually, in small things. Okay. If I were to ask hundred people in the church, if I were to ask each of the hundred to do a small thing, most of them will forget it. But if I were to tell all the hundred, uh, without each, each other knowing that two Sundays from now you are going to preach, they will prepare like crazy. two weeks day and night they will prepare you know pastor called me to preach now, this is of a problem <laughs> we are very faithful if we are told to do a big thing god never looks at those things he looks at those very small things because my faithfulness and your faithfulness is really faithfulness in the small things in this that is faithfulness in the small things so just be faithful in the small things talked about read your word get what god is why do we read the word of god it's not reading like religious people read scripture i want to know jesus and i cannot know jesus outside the word of god it's not possible the scriptures is a revelation of jesus christ and the holy spirit when he comes he will reveal jesus to me through the scriptures i want to know him why do i want to know him simple nobody has ever loved me the way he has loved me you want to know the person you love mm. it's as simple as that love you want to know the person you love and who loves you 
nobody has ever loved me will ever love me the way jesus it's not even about his glory and his this thing it's just love him for i want to know him you read the bible with that with that you won't be worried about your devotions and your this thing you will see that you will just flow in with the word god speaks to you and you speak to god and keep it simple you know keep it simple Amen. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we can end with prayer. That's right. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. We have so many questions from all over, Lord, Catholics from Australia, kids who rescued in a home in New York, judges, all kinds of people, Lord. Everybody has the same question. Hmm. but lord we don't have to worry and stress about doing god's will we just have to do it mm. just have to do the simple things of life love god love one another that is the will of god pray father people will receive it in its simplicity and for those who are in difficult terrible situations it's a test of their hearts loyalties and i pray you will give them the strength the power to love you with all their heart with all their mind with all their soul count their cost be willing to pay the price for the rewards in eternity no man can even measure help us lord help us to see everything with eternal perspective not to be discouraged by the accusations of the enemy mm. ignore it the condemnation that he brings we give him a deaf ear mm. and we keep our minds and our hearts focused on you yes lord and the things that are above mm. yet live our lives on earth in our homes in our workplaces and in our church witnessing you lord thank you thank you father thank you be with us once again i pray for your healing upon your children touch all those who are infirm weak brother mike in the icu touch heal lord and strengthen once again we want to say lord we love you we wish we could love you the way you love us hmm. one day maybe lord when we are out of this flesh but lord help us to love you more and more lord more and more each day Thank you thank you father thank you lord in Jesus name we pray amen amen amen, amen.